Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Kale Stick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Lamarco. Yes, you might see me wearing the same shirt as before because I recorded a podcast earlier today that dropped today. And then we had a special one team previews episode going on right now that's going to be dropping on Friday. But if you're tuning in live on YouTube, welcome. We have a very special guest we'll get to in a second. But first, we want to talk about what we'll be talking about today. We're going to be going over the AFC West. Obviously, if you have not watched the first episode this week with Sky Gawasco, please go check it out. He breaks down the other two teams in the division. Today, we're going to be talking about the Chargers and the Chiefs. Now, if you guys are familiar with this format, we're breaking down just two teams. We're going to get into the details. We're going to talk about the change of coaching changes, the offensive line changes, and our special guest is going to break down his thoughts on that. So before we do, we want to make sure that you guys are following us everywhere. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on TikTok. You follow us. We're all over the place now, me and Sky. But if you're following me, I'm at Fantasy Football X Factor on Instagram. Sky is at TCK Pod. Um, on Instagram and also on Twitter, on my name, Bobby Lamarco, and at Sky Gawasco as well. If you're following us on YouTube, make sure you follow the scroll at the bottom. Leave a five-star review. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you stay with us because we're going to four episodes a week starting in July. It's already been going on. But before we get started, too, I want to talk about some of our new sponsors. Our first one is Red Zone Draft Boards. Guys, you know, the COVID season last year, no one actually got to meet in person. This year, things are changing. We're finally getting back together. And the way you could do that is do your in-person drafts and do it with Red Zone Draft Boards. You visit draftwithredzone.com and you guys can get a ridiculous package for your in-person fantasy football draft. Use the promo code TCK for 10% off. Best part, too, is it's not just a draft board. You get a championship ring a loser sign. You also get engraved cases. You get 400 stickers and more. But even if you're not into fantasy and you just want a cheat sheet, it provides cheat sheets exclusively from fantasypoints.com. So you get all the stuff you would need for your draft. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest today, the fantasy football analyst, the man, the myth, the legend. How you doing, Joe? What's up? How you doing, Bobby? Thanks for having me on. Right, listen, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you do any in-person drafts? Uh, not offline. So I have a lot of draft okay. parties, and we're still like you know using a computer to do so. But um, you know, I haven't done a lot of them. I want to do more though, dude. I want to yeah. get like I want to get a whole bunch of fantasy people together at like the fantasy expo and anything coming up. I want to okay. get like this live draft. I think it's it, it's an experience I really want to have. But yeah, it definitely right. sounds fun. No, so listen, now you know where to go. You go to the Red Zone exactly, Draft Boards yeah, and you get that kit, you'll be good to go, man. But thank you for joining us today. I know we're super excited to talk about the Chargers and we're talking about the Chiefs. We were just talking offline how we have so much information on the Chargers, the new offensive coordinator, all the changes on the line, you know, Justin Herbert going into the second season. We're excited to talk Chargers. And then it seems kind of status quo with the Chiefs, but we're going to bring as much information today into your hands so you guys can make informed fantasy decisions. The best part, we're going to put Joe on the clock on all the fantasy-relevant guys, the Chargers and the Chiefs, and see how he actually really feels when the clock is on him and see if he actually goes with the Chargers and Chiefs players or he pivots to another player. But let's get started talk about a few highlights today. First off, let's talk about the Chargers 
and we're going to talk about some of the things that changed this offseason. First off, the new OC. Joe Lombardi comes over from the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, the Saints QB coach for many years in 2019 to 2013 and 2016 to 2020. He had a short stint as the offensive coordinator for Detroit. Only lasted a year and a half. But there's some interesting nuggets that came out of that with Joe Lombardi. Um, very heavy on targeting running backs, but I'm sure we'll touch on that in a little bit. But that's one of the biggest changes for this offense. Justin Herbert into his second season is going to have to learn a new offense. So we're going to make sure that we highlight that as well. A bunch of offensive line changes. So first off, they brought up Corey Lindsley, the PFF number one center. They brought over some veteran guards that could pack in the middle. They also drafted Rashad Slater in the first round. So that offensive line is brand new. It's beefed up, and it's really exciting for that. And then, of course, skill position players. Joe Lombardi comes from the Saints. He brings over Jared Cook to replace Hunter Henry. Um, they also drafted Josh Palmer and Larry Roundtree, the running back, and also Trey McKinney at tight end. So before we get into the actual players, Joe, give us your general overview about some of those highlights. What are your thoughts about Lombardi? Any insights, anything you learned about Lombardi? So with Lombardi, that was one of the things I was curious about because Anthony Lynn, for all these years, loved, loved, loved to target his running backs. Uh, dating back to 2016, he had his running backs at a 19.6% target share. In 17, they had 23%. 18, it was 27%. 2019, the running backs in LA had 31.6% target share. And then it went back down to 24.5 in 2020. So it's, it's, you, you look at a team like that and you're like, how could anybody coming in kind of replicate that, right? Like the loss of Anthony Lynn should be something where like, oh no, Austin Eckler, like, is he really going to catch that many passes? And then you see Joe Lombardi, right? In two seasons as the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, uh, 173 passes to running backs in 2014 and 168 passes to running backs in uh, 2015. So not much really changing there. <laughs> yes. Very well, interesting. Yeah. And when we talk about Austin Eckler, I, I did a po- player spotlight self plug right now. I did a player spotlight on him a couple weeks ago. I love Eckler this year. Um, and I also did actually, ironically enough, one on Clyde. So when we get to the running backs, I'm just going to refer to that episode because I'm done with that. I've already talked to <laughs> nauseam about him. But let's talk about first. Let's highlight Justin Herbert. Obviously, um, last year, one of the things I thought was really funny is that he actually had 26.1 points per game in six points per passing, passing touchdown leagues. That finishes the uh, QB nine in points per game. If you take that 26.1 points per game and you apply it to 2019, 18, and 17, he would have been the QB two in points per game. That's how ridiculous QB scoring was last year, that that points per game in 2020 at QB nine would have been top two. What would we be talking about Two years ago, if Justin Herbert as a rookie was the QB2, we'd be losing our minds right now. So that, that was interesting. Currently, he's going as the UC, uh, ECR number seven. His ADP is at seven as well. But he's going in the sixth round at 64th overall. So tell us your thoughts about Justin Herbert. What did you learn in your research about him? Yeah, so obviously you already mentioned Justin Herbert broke just about every rookie passing record there was last year. Um someone who I really believed in and from a talent standpoint going into last year. And yes, it's a new offense this year, but at the same time, last year was a new offense and look what he did. So right. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm completely on in on Justin Herbert in the sixth, seventh round. I think that's a good range for him. Uh, he did lose Hunter Henry, which is going to be, you know, it, 
that's not great. But in the weapons that brought in aren't exactly better than losing Hunter Henry, right? So you have to look at it as a downgrade as a whole. Um, you know, Trey McKitty and you mentioned Josh Palmer and some of these other guys, they're not as good as Hunter Henry would be in that starting situation. So um, upgrade offensive line, dude, he's going to kill it. He's going to kill it. And we're going to talk about Austin Eckler in a second. Um, I, I really think Justin Herbert's going to continue to do his thing on the ground, which is going to keep his volume up. He had 20 red zone carries last year and five rushing touchdowns. I don't think that's going to change for this upcoming year. So one of the things I, I looked at when I was reviewing Joe Lombardi he tried to turn Matthew Stafford into this check down machine. Matthew Stafford sure. has a very, he's a big time downfield thrower in those two seasons. And he actually was at, at 10% or 8% the two seasons under Joe Lombardi. And that's not Matthew Stafford's game. And at first I was like, oh, that's not good. Justin Herbert loves to throw downfield. I was genuinely surprised to find out he was actually 24th in the NFL in passes, attempted passes percentage downfield. So passes over 20 yards or more. He actually wasn't as heavy. He actually was because he was fourth in the NFL in attempts. He was only ninth in, in attempts downfield. So it looks like he did throw a lot, but because of yeah. the volume, he really isn't as um, da- much of a downfield throw as I originally thought, which is exactly – it's a great thing because he's going to use his running backs. He did use his running backs with Austin Eckler last year when he was healthy. And when we talk about that, you know, Matthew Stafford – you know, when I was looking at that, too, I was a little concerned because I thought they were going to try to fit a square peg in the round hole. But I think because of that research, I'm actually excited to get, you know, maybe I could look at Justin Herbert in the sixth round. When we, when we put you on the clock, we'll actually find out if you would take <laughs> Herbert in the sixth round. But do you have any other thoughts about Herbert before we move on to Eckler? Yeah, so my only other concern with this is Joe Lombardi. He only had a two-year stint for a reason, right? Like, he's not right. this prolific offensive coordinator. Uh Long-time quarterback coach, as you mentioned, so that's got to be good for a guy like Herbert. But at the same time, the flow of this offense is the thing I'm concerned about, right? Um, Thankfully, he's got some good weapons for him, so it shouldn't be too much of an issue. But new quarterback, learning a new system with an offensive coordinator that isn't known to be all that great, so we'll see. You know, and one thing I will say, too, is at least Stafford – I mean, it's funny because I was the Jim Bob Cooter when he replaced him. I love that name, Jim Bob Cooter, <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yeah. That 2015 season, he actually finished as a top 10 QB. He had 22 points per game, Stafford. So he did have a good season that year. But like you said, you know, Joe Lombardi gets fired. I don't know if it's really him or was it the new OC. It's hard to yeah. tell. But let's move on to Eckler. And this one is going to be interesting. I already, Everyone already knows my thoughts, so I would love to get yours. But Eckler, I thought – one of the things that's being hidden about Eckler is he played a 10th game last year and he played like 6% of the snaps and it kind of dropped his points per game average. He looks like he only averaged 13.8. You take that game out and you look at the nine full games he played, he actually averaged over 15 points per game. That's really right on par with your boy, Joe Mixon. I know you're a big Joe Mixon guy, so oh, yeah. right up there with Joe. Um, I ended up finishing though, if we, if we factor everything in, he still was a top 15 running back on a points per game basis. His current ECR is 10. He's going as the ADP RB8, and he's going ninth overall. So he is actually getting drafted really high. But um, let's hear your thoughts on Austin Eckler based on where he's going, but also anything about research that you found out about Eckler. Yeah, so one of the things about Eckler, uh, first of all, as a pass catcher, sky's the limit, right? Eckler could easily be a top 10 running back off that pass catching alone. And I think he's going to need that, right? I think he's going to need to be that involved as a pass catcher 
to return that what you said like ninth overall he's being drafted right now yeah so as a runner um Eckler for the most part has been pretty efficient you know averaging over four yards per carry but he had one goal line carry last year and that's what really concerns me of whether he's going to be used in that respect is he going to be their goal line uh Kalen Balazs no longer there which is good, helps his value. But at the same time, I mentioned before, Justin Herbert had 20 red zone carries last year. He had five rushing touchdowns. I think he's still the bigger guy in that backfield, you know, in terms of who's actually back there. And when it just, whether it's, you know, handing it off to Eckler or having Herbert run it in himself, I think it's going to be Herbert nine out of 10 times. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I mean, Eckler was efficient overall, but most of that was because on 43.1% of his carries, he saw six or less defenders in the box. So this dude never saw a stacked box at all. He just had free range to run. Even with that said, he had he was 41st in yards created per touch. So Eckler was not really adding too much on the ground. Uh, he had a 1.7% big run rate, which was 57th in the entire league. So... My, my concerns with Eckler aren't so much a pass catcher. There's zero concerns there. Um, I just have so many concerns about what he's able to do on the ground. And a lot of people like to compare him to like, oh, he can have an Alvin Kamara type season, 700 yards on the ground, 800 yards in the air, whatever it ends up being. But I don't think he's uh, he's not at Alvin Kamara's level in terms of a rusher. We saw Alvin Kamara won leagues last year running six, six touchdowns in one game. Like Eckler can't do that. That's just something he's yeah. not capable of. And in PPR leagues, obviously sky's the limit. Um, if you're in standard or half, that's really going to cut his value. But um, for the most part, he's a safe running back one. But I wouldn't say he's a top five guy just because what he's going to do on the ground isn't going to make up and isn't going to put him at the level of other guys like Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. So that's that's where I fall a little short on Eckler. I'm a little lower on him than other people. Okay, well, that's a little that's a little teaser for on the spot there. Um, well, the good thing is about that passing game usage is Lombardi was either first or second in target oh, yeah. percentage. The two years he was the OC, he had three running backs in 2014 that had 50 or more carries. It was Reggie Bush, Theo Riddick, a bunch of different guys. Joy Bell was the third, a lot of guys. And then in 2015, actually, Theo Riddick had 98 targets, 98 targets in half or full point PPR for a running back. That's going to help a bunch. And the good thing about the rushing point, and listen, I think the offensive line needed to improve. Uh, Listen, the Saints, so I look at adjusted line yards for my stats, and when you look at the Saints, they're always in the top three or four in adjusted liners. That offensive line is dominant. That's helped Alvin Kamara. Um, And last year, the Chargers were all the way down to 29th in adjusted line yards. So that means that they were not good at moving the line, trying to get extra yards for for Austin Eckler. So there. But the other question, though, is, and I want to touch on this too, is the Saints use two running backs? I mean, they've used a lot of Latavius Murray over the last couple of years. Mark Ingram had big seasons alongside of Alvin Kamara. Now, when I'm looking at it, I got Justin Jackson here. I got Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, mm-hmm. the rookie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's cut them out. Well, obviously, they're all being drafted extremely late. So yep. they're all like going ECR is 62, 68, 105, 80Ps, or RB 85 or later. You're saying nothing, not even the last round pick. You don't think there's going to be a second running back involved? You know, I, I think it would make sense for there to be a second running back here. I really thought they are going to retain Kalen Balazs after what he did last year for them. Mm-hmm. Surprised they were able to, you know, surprised they let him walk. But um, 
Justin Jackson, from the latest news, he's on the roster bubble right now. He may not even make the team. So that kind of just leaves Larry Roundtree, who's an undersized guy. He's, you know, if you're looking for a compliment for Eckler, he's not, he's not it. Uh, Joshua Kelly, who last year he did struggle, but again, we have to remember a lot of rookies struggled last year. Justin Jefferson, yeah. obviously being the outlier, but Henry Rugg struggled. Jonathan Taylor didn't get started till the end of the year. Cam Akers didn't get started till the end of the year. So when, when you look in that respect, there is, I guess, if you're going to bet on anyone in this backfield to share with Eckler, I, I, I would put my money on Joshua Kelly. Uh, it's not going to be a lot of money. It's not. It's going to be a very small amount <laughs> of money. Yeah, yeah. But if I had to bet on someone in this backfield sharing it with him, it would be Joshua Kelly. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's good to know. But all right. So I think I think right there we kind of have an idea of where you're going to be going with Austin Eckler. But let's skip over to the wide receiver position sure. now. I am going to talk. Well, first, we're going to talk about Keenan Allen and. It seems to me that Keenan Allen makes the most sense to take the Michael Thomas role in this offense. Then you hear the noise about Mike Williams playing the X. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, what I'm like, Keenan Allen is probably the closest thing to Michael Thomas we got based on how they've been used. It makes yeah. so much sense. But before we do that, last year he averaged 14.1 points per game. He was 10th in points per game last year. So he had a top 10 season. His ECR is 10, his ADP is wide receiver 10, and he's going 30th overall in the middle of the third round. What's your thoughts on Keenan Allen? Tell me what you got. Uh, if, if Keenan Allen doesn't have at least a 30% target share next year, then they're just they're just doing it wrong. Like you said, he should easily be the Michael Thomas of this offense. Uh, Mike Williams playing the X, I don't know, he seems more like an outside, like a Y. You know, he seems like the guy who's going to run deep. Um I don't know, man. I, I just I have Keenan Allen. I think like fifth or sixth. I, I don't see why people like to push him back all the way to tenth. Okay. He's a very talented player. He's he's already got that connection with Herbert. And I think there was about six or seven games in a row where Keenan Allen got a touchdown last year. I, yeah. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but I remember having him on my team, and every single week I was getting those yeah. five six catches, whatever yardage, and add a touchdown. Five six catches, whatever yards, add a touchdown. Sometimes bigger, yeah. sometimes lower, but that touchdown was always there. So. Uh, Herbert feels comfortable throwing to him in the red zone. And yeah. I don't think that's really going to change. Mike Williams, he's been in the league for four or five years now, unless he has a Corey Davis type track, which they were drafted in the same draft class. If he, unless he turns into a Corey Davis or Devonte Parker and has this big year five years in. Right. I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm not buying into it, but later round with Hunter Henry being gone, that seems to always be the conflict there whether Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. If Hunter Henry's on the field and Mike Williams on the field, these guys, you know, neither of these guys would really blow up. If Keenan Allen's off the field, Mike Williams blow up. If Hunter Henry's not in the field, Mike Williams has a better chance of blowing up. So not having Henry there could mean better things for Williams as well. Yeah. And let's talk about Mike Williams. I know you kind of talked a little bit. I, I, you know what I'll do? I'll set you up here. So Mike Williams last year had 9.3 points per game. That's really not that great. I don't know. Wide receiver, 46 in points per game. ECR has him at wide receiver 48. So he's kind of going exactly where he it's interesting. Cause then his ADP is 48. He finishes wide receiver 46. It seems like we're all, it's all like that. <laughs> you know, everyone's following the same thing. He's, he's actually going at 116 overall. So you're getting him in the, the ninth, 10th round range. Sure. But one of the things I thought was interesting when I looked at Joe Lombardi and his time he spent at OC, he had that 2014 year where golden Tate's and Calvin Johnson had monster seasons. So they both were pro bowlers. You know, one of the things I thought was extremely interesting was that 
there was three games that Calvin Johnson doesn't play. Golden Tate averages 24 receptions for 349 yards and two touchdowns in just three games. Goes off. The rest of the year averages 11.4 points per game. But 11.4 points per game for a wide receiver two in this offense was still top. You know, that's a wide receiver 30. So based on his ADP, he could give you value on that. However, they didn't have an established tight end at the time. They just drafted rookie Eric Ebron. And then they had that mosh posh at running back. They didn't have an established guy. So now the question is, do you think Mike Williams could become the number two, or do you think it's going to be Austin Eckler? Do you think Jared Cook having that established, he knows the offense better than anybody else other than Joe Lombardi because he's coming over from New Orleans. Do you think Jared Cook could be a thorn in Mike Williams' side? I don't think so. I I think at this point, Jared Cook is not someone I'm worried about at all. I actually like someone else in the Chargers better than him for tight end. And I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Just to I like it. that a little bit. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think there's a chance Mike Williams is. Uh, he he definitely doesn't deserve it in terms of what he's done. Like, there's nothing he's done throughout his career. You're like, oh, 100% Mike Williams is going to be that guy. Maybe there's a curveball. Maybe it's Josh Palmer. Maybe they drafted him for a reason. Maybe Mike Williams starts. He gets injured as he does. Palmer steps into that role, and then all of a sudden, he's the wide receiver too there. So, uh, you know, Mike Williams has his risk, but being a first-round talent, and we've seen him make incredible catches throughout his, you know, three- or four-year career whenever he's not on the bench, ailing with some sort of injury. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely worth a shot in that, you know, nine, tenth round. Absolutely. Okay. So this – you kind of took a little bit. I think you're a Josh Palmer guy because I have Jalen Guyton here, Tyron Johnson – you know, other receivers on this roster. Now, I know redraft, probably none of these guys are going to make that much of an impact. Yeah. But Mike Williams is a free agent next year. Yeah. So, for a dynasty perspective, is Josh Palmer the guy you want, even before we heard anything from training camp? What do you got? Um, A lot of times when it comes to, like, guys I prefer, I look at the regime, right? I look at the fact that this new regime drafted Josh Palmer. Right. The regime from the past has nothing to do with Josh Palmer, and the new regime has nothing to do with Tyron Johnson or Jalen Guyton. So they, those guys are just there. They're great depth pieces. Um, but they view, they clearly view Josh Palmer in some sort of way. It took him in the third round, if I'm not correct. If I'm, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you are which correct. Is, yeah. Which is a little odd. I feel like there was a lot of other wide receivers like Seth Williams and some other guys that I saw available. Like, oh, Josh Palmer, that's – Interesting. I, I know. Think. Yeah. It was a good <laughs> I mean, listen, I, last year it seemed like Jalen Guyton had big catches. You know, it seemed like yep. Justin Herbert just had a great connection on the deep ball with these guys randomly. But Josh Palmer's a name to monitor. Mike Williams cannot stay healthy. He's been on, constantly on and off the field. And he they didn't pick his fifth-year option. And you're right. This is a new regime. They picked him. But let me eat your words. Jared Cook. He was picked by this regime. <laughs> Jared hey. Cook. I know. I know. And listen, Jared Cook last year was oddly meh, but he was actually usable in some cases. 7.4 points per game, a tight end 18 last year. He's going the outside the top 20 in ECR and ADP. But it sounds like you got somebody else. Is it Donald Parham? Who you got? Tell me about him. Who's the tight end you want at the Chargers? It's, it's definitely Donald Parham. So I've been waiting very patiently for these camp notes. I want to see who's, you know, who, who's rotating in that one spot, who's going to be in that second spot, what's the share going to be between these guys. But the biggest thing with Jared Cook is, yes, Jared Cook was with Joe Lombardi last year with the Saints. But ultimately, when you look at it, right, when, when coaches go somewhere new, 
they want people who are familiar with the system. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get all the work. I mean, look at Tevin Coleman going to the New York Jets. Tevin Coleman yeah. had 1.9 yards per carry with the 49ers last year. I, I don't I don't think he's going to the Jets and being this workhorse back. He's just a guy like, hey, we have depth. We have a guy who could come in, teach other people the system, and ultimately throw him in there if needed. But that's kind of how I view Jared Cook. I view him as a guy who's familiar with the system. He can help young guys like Darnold Parham and Trey McKitty learn this type of system. Cook had seven games over 50% of snaps last year. I know. Right. He yeah. just he was not used as a complete starter. Two of those games were the first two games of the season, by the way. So most for the the, the rest of the season, he really wasn't being used as a full-time starter. Uh, he's 34 years old now. He's had his big moments. He still is that deep threat. But Donald Parham, to me, is just so much more appealing as a player. I mean, he's at this point in his career, he's on the rise. He filled in for Hunter Henry one game and caught a touchdown when Henry Henry was out. Um, I, and from what I've heard, they like this kid a lot. And he was great in the XFL for <laughs> that okay. short yeah. season that lasted. So uh, Donald Parham, I think he's like six foot seven, six foot six, absolute monster. Very athletic. He had a 99% dominator rating in college. So uh, he's definitely definitely good good things pointing to Donald Parham and a lot not pointing to Jared Cook. So these camp reports are going to be very interesting. Yeah. No, and, and listen, this offense is actually not bad for tight ends. We saw, of course, if you want to go way back, Jimmy Graham, all those seasons in New Orleans. Then you look at more recently, Jared Cook actually in 2019 actually had some solid seasons. Yep. Even Ben Watson had a tight end one year. Uh, with this offense. Plus, Eric Ebron was drafted in 2014. As soon as Lombardi came over, they made it a priority. You'll get a pass-catching tight end. So, Donald Parham, sleeper. You heard it here first from the analyst. Love it. All right. I'm going to put you on the clock because I'm tired of listening to these podcasts and hearing these people say this and that. I want to see if you're on the clock, will the analyst take these guys? So, first off, let's do Justin Herbert. His ADP right now is going in the sixth round. Now, with quarterbacks, with tight ends, with all this stuff, there it's a little different draft strategy because the tight end four, I mean, and the quarterback four might not be going right after the quarterback, uh, right before the quarterback Absolutely. five. It might be a little bit of space. So I put, I, I sent you the notes. I, I gave you a little cheat sheet, but as you know, like Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson are going ahead of Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson's going right before him, and then. You know, about a round or two before is Lamar Jackson, et cetera. Going behind him is Tom Brady, Jalen Hurts, and Ryan Tannehill. You can get Tannehill roughly two rounds later. So my question to you is, you're in the sixth round. Are you going to take Justin Herbert in the sixth? Are you looking at Lamar Jackson instead a little earlier or maybe waiting on a guy like Ryan Tannehill? So... Again, it's tough, and being on the clock, it really like puts it feels like I'm on the clock. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, the, the timer is going down. Yeah. Um, at this point, I I'm a huge fan of Jalen Hurts. I'm a huge fan of Ryan Tannehill, and I think if I'm not able to get a Lamar, Kyler, Josh Allen at a reasonable price, like fifth, sixth round, or even Dak Prescott in the fifth, sixth round, then I feel like I'd rather wait and get a Ryan Ryan Tannehill or Jalen Hurts in the eighth or seventh or Ryan Tannehill in the ninth or whatever it ends up being. So uh, in this case, I'm going to wait. I I definitely love the upside of Herbert, but I see him and Hurts as similar upside guys. All right. So we got, we're fading Herbert in the sixth. Now that you're fading Herbert in the sixth, the next question is where are you going to pivot? We have guys like James Robinson, T Higgins, Mike Davis, Brandon Ayuk, 
Or are you targeting one of the tight ends, TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews? So what direction do you go in in the sixth round if you're not going to take Herbert? In the sixth round, I'm taking TJ Hawkinson. I, I'm taking okay. that tight end. I want I want one of the top ten, tight ends. I want a top five tight end. If I can't get that, I want a top eight tight end. If I leave my draft with one of the without a top five or top eight tight end, I have failed. If I have to wait <laughs> right. and I have to get uh, Mike Zicky or Robert Tanyan, which isn't the end of the world, I'm just not satisfied with my draft because we saw Kelsey last year. Basically, anybody who had Kelsey was a week-to-week winner. And the trend in my leagues has been whoever gets Kelsey, either trade or draft, has been the winner. And that's just kind of been it, right? Because quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, they'll even themselves out. But the tight ends who do better than the others are going to get that huge positional advantage. So uh, TJ Hawkinson, he's one of my favorite targets this year. He's my tight end for uh, especially in PPR. So getting him in the sixth round, I'd usually try to take him the fifth if possible. Okay. But um, yeah, sixth round, I'd easily pivot to TJ Hawkinson. All right. That's good to know. Now we're going Eckler. Kind of already teased us a little bit. You probably are going to fade, but you know, I'm going to give you a shot on the clock. Sure, sure. So obviously he's going extremely high. He's actually the RB8 going average draft position right around 9, 10 range. He's going ahead of Cam Akers. He's going ahead of Nick Chubb. He's going ahead of Najee Harris. Um, going right behind Taylor, Elliott, and Barkley. So do you like where Eckler is going? Are you willing to take him there? Or is there any of those running backs or, or, or Tyree Kill or Kelsey you willing to take instead in that range? Um, Tyree Kill, I definitely don't mind taking that range. But you mentioned Nick Chubb. If Nick Chubb is there, I'm taking Nick Chubb. Okay, so Nick Chubb's the guy. Absolutely right. taking Nick Chubb in that range. That's a simple one. I love it. I love the quick ones. We're good, man. So now you're on the clock. Now you're getting the theme. All right, one last one. We're going to do Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, listen, I think the third-round receivers are just insane this year. I love all these guys, and it seems to be a constant theme, right? you got Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper going in this range. Um, Right before Keenan Allen, I heard you say earlier you have him as high as six-ish in that range. So he's going behind Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Michael Thomas, you're on the clock in the third round. Let's say, you know what? Let's say you're just right after that turn. So you are you going to take him over Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, or Michael Thomas in drafts? Not in front of A.J. Brown. I'm a huge okay. A.J. Brown fan, so I'll take A.J. Brown in front of Keenan Allen. But I, I'm easily taking one of those wide receivers in the beginning of the third okay. if, if that's what's looking at me. So uh, assuming th- – in that scenario, I'd have an early first-round pick, which means I'm easily getting a Dalvin, a Chris McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, one of those guys. I'll get another running back at the end of the second, hopefully Nixon, and then <laughs> he comes around. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> comes around, I'm easily snagging up one of these wide receivers, whether it's A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, uh, Justin Jefferson, one of these guys. But, yeah, I'm going to give A.J. Brown the slight lead here, but definitely love Keenan Allen as well. Okay. So let me just – one other question. George Kittle's there. Are you interested in George Kittle in the third? Okay. So you're, it's either Darren Waller. So let's say Waller falls. Would you take A.J. Brown or Darren Waller in that range? Ooh, that's tough. That's, that's why I'm here. I'm here to get the tough <laughs> questions answered. That's why I'm here. That's tough, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to A.J. Brown because I think – in the fourth round, TJ Hawkinson has a chance to get a similar target share to what Darren Waller got last year. Uh, he may not get the exact same production in terms of yardage and touchdowns, obviously, but um, I, I don't think the difference is going to be that that big between TJ Hawkinson and Waller this year. I'm really high on TJ Hawkinson, so I, I'm going to take AJ Brown. It's close, though. It's very close. Okay, that's good. All right, Joe, I'm going to give you a break. 
And while I do, I'm going to promote, give you guys uh, just a quick snapshot of Bomb Banana. I, on my earlier podcast, said, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And I went out and I went to SeekTheSpice.com and I got myself my first bottle of Bomb Banana hot sauce. It's coming in the mail next week. I'm doing it on air. I'm going to try it. I'm not the biggest hot sauce guy, but you know, I'm here to support the guys that support us. And that's Bomb Banana hot sauce. It's not banana, it's not banana flavors, banana based. Now, if you use the code TCK, you get 10% off your order. So that's awesome. So the more bottles you buy, the bigger the discount. They have cases of this stuff. You get a 10% off your order. Go to seekthespice.com and try out Bomb Banana Sauce hot sauce today. Now, Joe, I'm going to ask you, are you a hot sauce guy? Dude, I cannot handle spice. I cannot. Oh, Dude, so you don't I seek the spice. <laughs> I, do, I, do not, I do not seek the spice, but I okay, do enjoy it. watching other people have it. So there's like right. that show on YouTube, Hot Ones and stuff like that. I love watching that. Okay. So I, when I do that, I expect you to watch and leave a comment on the video. Because I listen, my spice, I'm not great either. But you know what? I'm here to support. I'm going to go to the Jersey Jungle. We talk about them later. I'm going to get you hooked up. So, all right. We're now going to talk about the Chiefs. And before everyone starts rolling their eyes, we have to talk about them. I know they're chalk, and we're going to do our best to make it interesting, all right? So that's what we do here. First of all, the highlights, it's so status quo, but the good news is that the offensive line has been beefed up. I mean, obviously, they got uh, Joe Thune. They also got Orlando Brown, which are two big offseason acquisitions. Both guys are very highly graded in PFF. Thune was top 10 at guard grades. Orlando Brown was 25th at tackle. They also got Austin Blythe as well from the Rams. He comes over to play center. They also brought in Kyle Long out of retirement who recently got hurt, but he should be back for the beginning of the season. So they have a brand new offensive line, very similar to the Chargers. So you got to love that. I talk about that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And they also drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round. So now they're getting some depth and infusing talent to go with Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know Patrick Mahomes was awesome last year. He actually finished second because, of course, Aaron Rodgers went nuclear in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. But let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. He's going to his fourth year with Andy Reid. Obviously, 2019, he got hurt. He took a step back, but he bounced right back in 2020. So Mahomes, 29.6 points per game, finishes the QB2. He is the consensus number one. Not even you have to hide it. However, the question comes – Draft him in the third round. I don't need your answer yet. I'm going to put you on the spot later. But okay. tell me what you learned about Patrick Mahomes. Any thoughts? Before you answer, though, the one question I, I told you I'd help you out a little bit because I know it's pretty chalk. But in 2018, this offense, Patrick Mahomes averaged 32 points per game and six points per passing touchdown leagues. In 2020, he only averaged 29.6. So do you think there's any chance that he could take another step and get back to his 2018 form in 2021? With, with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, that's never right. possible, yeah. right? That's that's mm-hmm. never impossible. But what I will say is, you know, 2018 wasn't exactly his rookie season, but it was his first season as a starter. He obviously got to sit that one year with Alex Smith being the starter. But that kind of puts the league on notice, right? I mean, yep. that, that kind of puts the league in a point where, okay, you can prepare for Patrick Mahomes now. You can prepare for him some way. And I think that's very evident by the Super Bowl where we watch the Buccaneers just put so much pressure on him, on him, yeah. not allow him to do really anything he wants. Obviously, a big reason for that was the offensive line. But point being, like, he's not unstoppable. And I, I think that's the big takeaway here is that that first 
starting season in 2018 was it's going to go down in the record books. It's going to be one of the greatest seasons ever for a quarterback. But ultimately, like like I said, the league's on notice. He, he's not going to be able to – he can throw 50-plus touchdowns again. I'm sure he can. But it's not going to be anything close to the level he had that year. I, I think I, I think that year's a little out of reach at this point because the whole okay. league knows him. But, again, I, I don't want to put anything past him because it's very possible for him to turn around and have that type of year again. I'm just I'm – just, especially with the draft capital, I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah, yeah, we'll put you on the clock. Sounds like you're already fading. I, I just listen when I looked at Patrick Mahomes last 2020 is such a ridiculous year for quarterbacks that his 29 points per game doesn't even look that good. But you put 29 points per game in any of the previous three, four seasons, he's still a ridiculous outlier. So oh, yeah. he's still going to give you a positional advantage. Obviously, why he's going in the top three rounds. Uh, let's move to Clyde, CEH, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Everyone knows my thoughts. I'm all in on Clyde. Go to my player profile, uh, TCK player spotlight. I talk about him in depth, all this stuff you need to know. But we're here to hear, hear about what Joe thinks. Right now, last year, he disappointed. First-round pick in fantasy drafts, and he only averaged 12.2 points per game. That's 26th in points per game for running backs. He's, he's right now 15 in ECR. He's 15th in ADP, and he's going overall 20th. So my question, Joe, is what do you think about Clyde over Do you think he can improve in year two? Um, I think he can improve in year two. I think he'll be definitely more consistent this year. But I I have questions about Clyde Edwards Hilaire that really don't involve the stat sheet too much. Like my questions are he's five seven, borderline five eight. Can he handle the workload? Can he be the full-fledged starter for this team? Are they gonna use Daryl Williams in a way that hinders his touches and prevents him from being a complete workhorse on this team? Um, they were willing to bring in Le'Veon Bell last year before Clyde Edwards-Alaire even got hurt. So is that a situation where maybe Todd Gurley joins the team halfway through the year or someone else joins the team halfway through the year? And Todd Gurley at this point, what is he really going to do other than take a few touchdowns? Which still, you don't want him to lose a few touchdowns. But um, point being, those are my only doubts about Clyde Edwards-Alaire because ultimately you have a first-round talent. Well, first-round talent, questionable, but... First round value, uh, first yeah. round draft capital. Jeez, first round draft capital on the most high powered offense in the entire NFL. That is definitely something you want to buy into, plain and simple. Um, but but again, my my concerns are: can he be the complete workhorse for this team? Are they going to bring in other assets as the year go on? If they don't really think he can hold up, um, will he get injured again? You know, those are just not questions that really involved him as a player because he was very efficient. He was a great runner last year. I mean, that first game against Houston, everybody was like, whoa, look at this guy. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely got our top five overall worth for drafting Clyde edwards Lair, but it did not turn out that way. Yeah, and I, and I and I think I've pretty much said my thoughts. We might be a little different. I'm much higher on Clyde this year. Sure. for I love him in the second round, but we'll put you on the spot in a second. No need to go into any further there. Now, the next guy we're going to talk about is Tyree Kill. Now with – oh, wow. Uh, Wrong one. Wrong banner. There we go. <laughs> it's plenty of spotlight. Uh, so Tyreek Hill last year, I think a lot of people don't realize that the 19 points per game he averaged, if it wasn't for Devontae Adams, we'd be talking crazy about yes. Tyreek Hill because there has been – I looked at it. Basically, it took you all the way back to Antonio Brown in 2015. It's the last time a wide receiver averaged 19 points per game in half-point PPR. Like – Adams overshadowed him, but he had an epic season. He had the best season in like five, six years. So Tyreek Hill with a healthy Patrick Mahomes, that's why he's currently going where he's going. You know, he's, he was number two last year. He's going number one in ECR because of all the things going on with Aaron Rodgers. 
the ADP is number uh, number one in ADP. He's number one in ECR, and he's 11th overall in the first round. So what are your thoughts about Tyreek Hill? I know Sammy Watkins is now gone, but do you think he can continue? Can you think he can help hold up? Can he do it again? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, so Tyreek Hill far and away my wide receiver one right now. Uh, obviously, if Rodgers is 100% playing, that changes. But as of right now, Tyreek Hill is the wide receiver one. One of the things that he was missing over the last couple of years was consistency. Right, Tyreek Hill, he had the it was either 50 points this week and then six or seven points next week, it was 60 points this week and then five or six points next week. That's one of the things that changed this year, and that was the only missing piece for a guy like Tyreek Hill. We needed to see him get that 10, like every game minimum 10 points, like every game minimum 15 points, and he did that this year, especially in PPR. So, um he, he still he still has the power to win you your individual week. At the same time, he's not going to lose you your week. So I, mm. I don't know what else you could really ask for a wide receiver because that was the problem in the past, right? That was the problem of whether he get, he could win you. He guarantee you a win this week and then put you in a really bad spot the following week. But now that's not the case. I love Tyreek Hill as the wide receiver one right now. Devonta Adams, you know, if, if Rodgers comes back, that'll change, but. That's we're gonna put you. Play. We're gonna put your money where your mouth is shortly, sir. Don't worry about it. it. So the other Do guys. It. Um, it sounds like Michael Harmon's gonna go into camp as the number two. That's the recent reports we got. Yeah. And listen, when I have this, here's a fun fact for you. I looked at this games that all these guys played without Sammy Watkins together. So the, there was only five games where it was Tyree Kill, Kelsey. Byron Pringle. There was uh, you know Hardman and Robinson all played. It was Demarcus Robinson who actually was the number three behind Kelsey and Hill. But it sounds like the talent, everyone's leaning Hardman, and that's the direction it's going to go. But let me ask you this. Basically, I'm looking at these guys. None of them were really competitive last year for fantasy outside the top 80 wide receivers and points per game. This year, though, Miko Hardman is going at ECR 58, ADP 54, and he's being drafted inside the top 150. So are you willing to take me, Cole? We're not going to do you on the spot with Miko Harmon. So you can answer now. Will you take me, Cole Harmon, at that range? I, again, it, it's one of the situations where, like, Clyde, Clyde, him, Clyde individually has that type of value because this is the most high-powered offense in the entire NFL. So McCole Harmon automatically has that help with him already or i'm jumbling my words here but basically he's part of the best offense in the nfl why would you not want a part of that on your team um yes all the reports from camp are that he's doing very well he's entering his third year and mm-hmm. if you really think about it right we, we talked about how last year was a difficult year for a lot of a lot of rookies in covid but was it also a different difficult year for sophomores i mean did that halt Nicole hardman's sophomore jump is there a chance where Michael Hardman in his third year, he gets a real off season. He's three seasons in. Um, maybe he finally takes that jump with Sammy Watkins not being there. It's in the world of possibilities. And if he takes that jump and he's a wide receiver too in Kansas city, which historically has, has not produced all that much for fantasy. He still has boomer bust value on a week to week basis. Even last year, he had boomer bust value. Even as a rookie, he had boomer bust value. So at the very least you're getting a matchup guy. If Tyree kill gets hurt, then that's you know an open playing field. Uh, fun fact: I actually I had a chance this off season to do an internship for a sports website, a sports writing website, and uh, I actually got a chance to talk to Nicole Hardman. Um, they were during the Super Bowl. 
I got to be on there and I got to ask him questions. And one of the things I asked him was like, how, how does being in the Super Bowl for two out of two years of your career, for both years of your career, how does that affect your development? He was like, it was awful. It, it's awful because it puts your expectations so high. Um, and, and that's one of the things he talked about where like being in the Super Bowl two years in a row, riding high all those years, doesn't allow you the opportunity to kind of have failure in that sense. So you never like correct yourself. You're just like, Oh, even if I make a bad play, we're still going to the Super Bowl, We're still doing this. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Maybe now that they lost the Super Bowl, it'll spark something. I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. Yeah. I, and listen, I will say this when it comes to Miko Harmon and Demarcus Robinson, you have to watch it. I listen, Mark Demarcus Robinson too. He's the one that gained the most with Watkins out. So if yeah. you find if you find out later that and he's still a young guy too, so if yeah. these guys are battling it out and Demarcus Robinson wins, it doesn't hurt to have Patrick Mahomes number three passing game option in the last round because you're getting them for free. So yeah. I totally agree with you on that, and I think that it's definitely worth monitoring. But I think Hartman's the most exciting, and you could tell by everyone drafting him in the top 150. Final guys draft. Oh God, I did it again. <laughs> Really like the Washington don't, tell, don't tell Sky none of this happened. No, nothing. It went off without a hitch. You're coming back soon. Anyway, Travis Kelsey. Uh, so listen, obviously he's the consensus number one. I actually did an article recently on aging tight ends, and I talked a little bit about when the cliff really comes. The good news is Travis Kelsey, there's guys like Tony Gonzalez um, that really they all played well until 35. So, you know, he's got another three years. He's heading into his age 32 season. So I'm not even worried about him at all for redraft. Um, but he's coming off another historic season. So I don't need to tell you he's number one in everything. ECR, you know, I don't have to say it. But he's going eighth overall now. Now that's a hefty price for a tight end, especially when you can get the tight end seven in round seven, like Dallas Goddard. So you're paying the piper. I think, it, it, I think with my personal view on Travis Kelsey, it depends on your roster. If you have to start two running backs, three receivers, and a flex or two flexes, I think the first round picks too heavy because you're going to be starting seventh and eighth round receivers and running backs in your starting lineup. In shallow leagues, when it's two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex, I think it makes a little more sense because then you can your sixth round pick is going to be your flex guy now. So that's just my personal preference on Travis Kelsey. But here's the fun fact: Gronkowski is the last tight end to average 17 points per game in half-point PPR. This year, in 2020, Kelsey averaged 17.3. Gronk was the last one to do it in 2011. The following year, he dropped by two full points per game. So he went from 17.9 to 15.7. Ironically, that's exactly the number of points Travis Kelsey had in 2018. So 15.3. So he could we could realistically see him dialed back. He's still going to be number one. He's still going to be awesome. But if he gets closer to 15.3, I don't think he's going to return that value anymore in the first round. But let's get your thoughts on Travis Kelsey. I'm happy he's going in the first round because I think that makes the most sense. Like if you're getting that type of positional advantage, that's where you need to take that risk. And I, I'm glad that he's finally going that range. Um, I probably won't be taking him that high. Like you said, it's going to be hard. For him. He's going to have to do what he did last year, return value in that way. Mm -hmm. But a little interesting tidbit here is – uh, I put out a tweet recently, and it was the fact that you could go running back, running back, tight end, running back, and quarterback in, what is that, the first five rounds. Then you can go triple wide receiver and still ends up with a combination of T. Higgins, 
Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Boyd, Antonio Brown, Jerry Judy, Brandon Cooks. Like you could still have a decent wide receiver core by doing that early. So I think if you're going to take Kelsey early, as long as you have a plan as to how you want to address the rest of your draft, maybe you wait on quarterback a little longer, you know, take Tannehill in the ninth or 10th, and then you get that extra wide receiver or whatever it is. As long as you have a plan for taking Kelsey that early, I'm fine with doing it, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the most important part because if you just go in and you're like, oh, ninth overall, Kelsey, why not? And then you just go about your day. Oh, look, Tyreek Hill fell to the beginning of the <laughs> This second. is how I act in all my drafts. I'm like, oh, whatever. Oh, fuck it, <laughs> but yeah, Tyreek Hill falls to the beginning of the second. Okay. Oh, crap. My running back two is Damian Harris. So it, it's, it's, it's really about coming in with a plan. Yeah, no, and I understand that. And I, I, we need, I need to do more research on this personally because of the, the, the difference in draft costs, right? If Dallas Goddard is your guy and you know you can get him in the seventh round consistently and you can fill up your entire starting lineup with running yep. backs and tight end, uh, running backs and wide receivers, and then you get Dallas Goddard, I just think that it's, you got to weigh the odds because you're drafting a seventh round receiver or running back to fill a flex spot. With Travis Kelsey, or you're going to fill, you know, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, and Dallas yeah. Goddard. So I get what you're saying. It's definitely got. To, I got to do a deeper dive before I even think about that. But I, there's some noise about this kid Noah Gray. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on him? Any thoughts on his dynasty value? What do you think? Because Kelsey's still got a couple of years left. Yeah, Kelsey's going to be killing it for a while. Um, they're going to use him until the tires fall off. And even then, I mean, right now it's Noah Gray. Next year, maybe it's a different guy they draft. Three years down the line, like you said, maybe it's a different tight end that they draft. So I'm not – Noah Gray himself, sure, stash him in Dynasty if you can get him late. Do not overpay for him because of any reports that he's going to be the next Kelsey in the next couple of years. Uh, just don't fall for those type of reports. Just play cautiously. If you can get him for really cheap and hold him on your bench, why not? If you can get him really late in a startup, why not? I have no problem. Just uh, don't put your expectations to the point where he's going to be the new Kelsey because there could easily be a new Kelsey next year. There could be a new Kelsey three yeah. years down the line when he's ready to retire or whatever it is. Um, I just want to add something else on the Travis Kelsey front. Go ahead. Based on how you draft and how you view players and if you know your league mates, for me, as you know, I am a huge Joe Mixon fan, right? I have to bring up Joe Get Mixon at least here. once. <laughs> I got to bring it up at least once every time I go on podcast. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but let's say if you're – obviously, if you're picking Kelsey in the first, you have an end of the first round draft pick. So what's the difference between picking Kelsey at 110, knowing that he's going to be gone before your next pick, and then picking someone like K-Makers, Joe Mixon, uh, Stefan Diggs with the 203, knowing that they have a better chance of being available? Right, call Stefan Diggs your first round pick if you want, and then call Kelsey your second. Doesn't make a difference how you say it, but it just comes to the fact that there's a less of a chance Kelsey's going to make it back to you, and better chance someone else might. So that's a situation where I would take Kelsey. It's like, okay, I feel comfortable with the guy I can get in the next turn of a uh, that I would be comfortable them being my first round pick, so to speak. So I'm going to take Kelsey here because I know he's not going to make it back, and I know my guy will be there, which I'm okay with. So I don't know if that really makes sense, if I really 
said I get, it well. But. No, I, I think it's the bigger question is if you go running back, running back, one first and second round versus, <laughs> and then you get a guy like Dallas Goddard or a Tyler Higby or whoever you're – because of the spacing of draft costs, yeah. because you can get – and I'm, listen, you might think Dallas Goddard is the tight end five, tight end six. If you think he's going to take a leap with Zach Ertz gone – and he can get you close to that 10 points per game in half point PPR. And you're getting him in the second round, uh, seventh round. You're pairing him with two elite running backs versus, I mean, listen, you're looking at probably the wide receiver 30 to 35 and the running back 30 to 35 in the seventh round. Easy. Yeah. So, and if that's if you hit the right guy, because I know the dead zones, like the whole, we got to talk about that some other time, the dead zone, the three to six rounds and seventh round things pick up a little bit, but it's still a very low hit rate for running backs in those ranges. So you have to hit on that running back or receiver. But like you said, there are a lot of good receivers in that range that you could definitely fill a flex spot with in the seventh and eighth round. So I, I get what you're saying. Listen, this is might be the first year that Travis Kelsey is on my radar on the one, two turn. I've never been that. And this is the first time I'm kind of like, maybe, but I'm not on the spot. You are. And that's what we're going to do right now. So Patrick Mahomes is the number one QB. Are you taking anybody over Patrick Mahomes this year at the QB position before we even get started? Nope. He's your one. All right. So you're on the third round. You're at pick 26. He's going right behind Justin Jefferson, Darren Waller, which I already kind of think we already know where this is going. Yeah. (laughs) Smith And AJ Brown. So AJ Brown J.K. Dobbins, Michael Thomas. I already know you're going to take A.J. Brown in the third. I'm going to switch it up on you. All right? Let's say A.J. Brown is gone and you say Darren Waller's gone. What other receivers and running backs have to be gone for you to take Patrick Mahomes? Is there any shot you're taking Mahomes in the third round? Zero shot. Zero okay. shot. Because there's gonna there's got to be at least five or six more running backs. Yeah. About five, yeah. five or six okay, more receivers. I, not I tried. Okay. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Because it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. All right. That's an easy one. All right. So Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's going in the second round. Listen, I know you're going to take, you like Joe Mixon, right? Over at Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Okay. So yeah. we know you're not going to take him ahead of Joe Mixon, but the guys going behind him, are Swift, Dobbins, and David Montgomery. So you're going to take any of those running backs over Clyde? If we're talking PPR, maybe Swift. Mm. It's very close. If we're talking PPR, I think I'd take Swift over him. If we're talking standard or half, it's going to be Clyde. All right, so then it's going to really be about the receivers in that range. Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, your A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson. Are you taking Clyde over those guys, or are you going to take a receiver? I'm taking a receiver. Dude, I'm telling you, for the first time in, in years, it feels like I can get running backs in the fourth and fifth round that I actually like. I can oh. get Mike Davis. I can get Miles Gaskin, who I'm okay with. It, it's not it's yeah. not as great as taking one of those guys that we're talking about, but I can get Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs, and he's whatever. Travis Etienne, one of my favorite picks. Uh, you can get him in that late fourth, beginning of the fifth round. So I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with taking a wide receiver early. So you just you're you say dead zone, it's the alive zone. You're just like all in. You think all those guys, that's initially that's another podcast I'll have to get you on because <laughs> a lot of people are anti like that's a new thing. And I'm actually thinking about taking that. But I like Miles Sanders. David Montgomery, I feel like people are just fading. It's he's a top five, top five, six back last year, and you're they're treating him like he didn't do anything. It's like he's yeah. going in the fourth round. So maybe too far on David Montgomery. But anyway, Tyree Kill. 
This is might be the best one. It, it, you already answered if he's your number one. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, it's 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 Adams. Yeah. But now he's going at the eleventh overall pick. He's going ahead of Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones. Are you taking any of those running backs ahead of Tyree Kill? And he's going behind Akers, Eckler, and Kelsey. So tell me your thoughts on this pick. You're on the clock, Tyree Kill. So um, it's close. The the one I'm deciding between is Chubb, right? Because I'm. Yeah. I have Chubb as like my running back seven or eight, and he he's a guy I'd easily take in that top seven to eight range. So if he let okay, let's say if Chubb is there, I'll take Chubb. But if okay. Chubb is not there, and the best running backs are Eckler, Jones, or whoever, I'll take Tyreek Hill. Okay, very good. And now Kelsey, kind of this is this, it's not as fun with the Chiefs yeah. because they're all number one, and then they're <laughs> going so high. Yeah. But this is the question now. He's going at tight. He's going at eight. So how far – so you sounds like at the one-two turn, you're in on Kelsey, maybe not at eight. So talk to me about Nick Chubb versus Travis Kelsey. If you're at 11, and let's say you know that Nick Chubb's not going to make it back to you, know the guy drafted behind you loves Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb and Travis Kelsey there, what are your thoughts? Tell me what you got. So when I was talking before about Travis Kelsey, I was kind of trying to justify – taking Kelsey in that spot. I personally, I, I'd still not take Kelsey that high. Cause like you said, I TJ Hawkinson, my guy can get him with the fifth, sixth round Dallas Goddard. You mentioned you can get him with the seventh. I'd much rather have that and take the value early on with other players. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- my thought was just trying to justify, like how could it take Kelsey at this point? Call it a second round pick if you want and just yeah. switch. To I get what whatever. you're saying. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I, I would still go Chubb. I would still go a different wide receiver. I, I'd go a different round than taking. So what about mixing? Do you like mixing enough to take him ahead of Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Okay. And what about Diggs and Calvin yep. Ridley? All right. Where is the line? Where does it? Where is Travis Kelsey? So let's say Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, you guys, you like. You're in the middle of the second. All of a sudden, Kelsey falls back to where he was getting drafted last year. Mm. Give me a hypothetical here. Um, AJ Brown's on the board, Calvin Ridley, Stefan Diggs are the receivers, Adams and Hill are gone. And then you're dealing with that middle, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire That's area. So tough. That's so tough because yeah. are you ever in a draft and you're like, you're seeing this guy fall and yeah. then you're just like, do Every I want to just ignore this guy altogether and just keep letting him fall? Or do I just bite? You know? And that, that's what it kind of feels like taking Kelsey at that point. Not that it's a bad thing at all. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think I'm still going to take like AJ Brown, Joe Mixon if he's available, who, whoever else at that point. It, it'll take to the end of the second. I think that's where I draw the line. If it's the end of the second, like the two, if some reason I'm drafting the 209 and Kelsey's sitting there, I, I'd be like, all right, I have to take okay. it at this point. I'm going to get another pick coming up soon. I'm going to have the chance to get another running back too. And I think that's my biggest thing, right? Because if you take them in the beginning of the second, you're not picking again until the end of the third. And at that point, I don't know what running backs are going to be left. So if I can get Kelsey at like the 209 and then still get another running back, like a Swift or a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, whoever, then I'm fine with that. Joe, listen, you dominated on the clock today. I appreciate you taking the time. Honestly, man, this was – we were talking earlier. It was like 30 to 40 minutes. We're almost at an hour, and we only talked oh, two teams, and that's the point. We're here to talk <laughs> about ridiculous detail, and that's why we're only doing two teams. That's why we bring on guys like the fantasy football analysts – Joe on the podcast because we know he's got the facts. He's got the info. Before I let you go, I just got to talk about one more of our sponsors. Got a shout out to our guys over at Jersey Jungle. Jersey Jungle. Jungle. Yeah, right. Steven Joe does. <laughs> These guys are from 
the uh, they're actually started up in on Instagram. You and like I say on all my podcasts, go follow them. You don't even have to get a jersey yet. Just go follow them. They actually constantly update their stories with new jerseys. So if you go to Jersey Jungle, you can check out all the new jerseys they have. They have the rookies coming out. Um, go support your team with the new players you might have just acquired. Maybe you're one of the. Maybe you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. You already got all the jerseys that you need, and then you got to say, you know what? I want that Noah Gray jersey. Why not? You know, yeah. go for it. Use the code TCK to receive ten percent off one and two jerseys and fifteen percent off three jerseys. So make sure you go in the checkout. Joe, thank you for your time today, man. I do really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Do you have any last words before you go? Make sure you guys get Joe Mixon this year. Oh, geez. We're going to have to do like a side Clyde Edwards Hilaire <laughs> versus Joe oh, Mixon. Mixon. Easily. I know. I know. All right. I know. I'm Bobby LaMarco, <laughs> the fantasy football X Factor. That's Joe Volpe. He's the fantasy hey. football analyst. Did I get it? You got it. I got it. Yes. You I got, got it. it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining it. This is episode 409 Team Previews the Chiefs and Chargers. Thanks for joining us again, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.